Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. I'm Justin Cochola alongside Tim Hurt. Today is Monday, December 16th, and we have got your ACC Bowl preview for you. Coming to you a little bit early, but we wanted to be sure you got plenty of time to uh, to dissect the games, get a feel for what's going on, You know, get your bets placed, get your Chowder and Grits, ESPN, Capital One, Bowl Mania, Confidence forums filled out. Be sure to join that. We got a Chowder and Grits hat on the line. That's uh, that's pretty exciting. We'll talk about that more in a bit. But first off, Tim, what's going on? Uh, you know, I'm hanging out doing a podcast with you. No place I'd rather be after what's been a crazy, crazy week uh, for Hokies football and uh, you know all of the background noise that's gone on with the program. So I'm trying to recuperate, trying to focus right now, and. Um, you know, there's something I've, I've liked to do recently, and I don't know why. I don't know if this is part of the aging process or becoming a dad, but I like creating my own terrible jokes. And I thought of one today while I was working. I tried it out on a coworker. It got a pretty good review, so I'm going to try it out on you. Okay, um, hit me. It's going to be very punny and bad. And I just want to say, I feel like there's only so many permeations of jokes that exist. So this joke could exist online somewhere in some kind of permeation. Uh, I created this in my own head, but that's not to say it's not been thought of before. So here we go. Let me take a sip of my Diet Fanta to make sure the old uh, windpipe is clear. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Here we go. What did the father say to the son as they walked out of the circus? I don't know. Whew, that was intense. Get because <laughs> circus yeah. tents is yeah. I'd go ahead and retire that one. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you thought our podcast had some middling reviews before. Just wait till this yeah. one gets out. Just wait until the tent jokes hits. You know, I've, I've had enough of the tent jokes. Can we just get to the good content, please? You know, whatever. That was good content. Thumbs yeah, up. No, I agree. That. I agree. Hit that subscribe button. You know, just to just to hit on the good content, in this just kind of hit me. So, you know, we've got an idea for the week of Christmas. It's obviously going to be a little bit of a what we expect to be a slow week. It's obviously busy holiday season. You know, people are off. You ever listen to the radio, local radio station or whatever, and they do these holiday uh, songs? Yeah, but absolutely. sports themes. Uh, so yeah, maybe, maybe we have some, uh, some of our loyal listeners send in their songs and we play some of the best ones. Obviously we're going to keep it, keep it clean, keep it classy. Hey, if we don't get any, we'll forget this ever happened, but that might spice up the show a little bit. So if you've got a, uh, a festive holiday song that you want to do in honor of the football season, it can be Virginia Tech focused. It can be any team focused. I don't really care. Just put it together. Uh, shoot us uh, shoot us a l- note or a link on Twitter, direct message, email chatterandgrits at gmail.com. That would be uh, that would be pretty fun. So, Tim, I just pulled that out of thin air. What do you think? I think it's great, but I also would like to invite our viewership to come to my defense uh, and tell me how good my joke was because I'm feeling pretty bad about it right now. Yeah. No, I mean, like, listen, if you're telling, like, a kid under five, probably hilarious. You think a kid um, under five is going to even know the definition of the word intense and understand the deep level of not. wordplay that was going on there? But a kid under five is probably just going to laugh anyways because they don't really understand much of what you're saying. 
so just a word of warning. We are recording this about a week in advance. Um, it is Tuesday, December 9th at the moment. So uh, like Tim mentioned, there's a lot of coaching news. Hopefully we have some of that short up by the time you're listening to this, but we're not going to hit on any of that today uh, just because this is a little... Um, will be a little dated at the time and you know with this bowl preview bowls these days are a little bit tougher to predict because there's a lot of player movement there's a lot of coaching mm-hmm. movement uh you know how does that affect teams we don't know you know what players will will and will not play uh i think that still remains to be seen but uh we'll obviously update that in episodes as they go on um before the before the games kick off and really it's that December 23rd episode that we'll have for you Christmas week because the games get started on the 26th. So Tim, if you're uh, if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's let's go ahead and jump into it. Yeah, let's do it, man. I'm ready. All right. So we're going to go in order of day. Uh so as these bowls are played out in the ACC schedule. So the first bowl, Tim, and this is a doozy. We've got the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. This game, 4 p.m. on December 26th. Louisiana Tech versus your Miami Hurricanes. The Hurricanes are a seven-point favorite in this game. And, you know, we know all about Miami this year. You know, it's a team that, you know, it looked like they had turned a corner and then they lost to FIU and Duke to close out the year. You know, Louisiana Tech has beaten FIU this year just you know, that's the only head-to-head matchup that they shared, and, and Louisiana Tech won that battle. Uh, a lot of questions still around the quarterback situation at Miami. You know, it's been a mix of Jaron Williams and Nikosi Perry. You know, Tate Martell, he's had an odd year. He's missed multiple weeks this this season for personal reasons, uh, which are unknown, hence the personal tag. But, you know, unsure if he'll be around for the bowl and kind of what his future really is at Miami. He said he's not transferring, but I think that remains to be seen. You know, they've got some weapons like Brevin Jordan and DJ Dallas. Uh, Dallas is a guy who has struggled to stay healthy at points throughout the season. Um, but Louisiana Tech, you know, a Conference USA team, they had won eight in a row at one point uh, this season. And uh, they finished one and two down the stretch, uh, finished second in their division behind UAB. And uh, they're coached by Skip Holtz. So I'm sure uh, I'm yeah. sure many of you recall that name. Obviously son of Lou Holtz, but also the former coach of East Carolina uh, when um, when the series started against Virginia Tech back in 2007, I think, is when yeah, that series got started. Yeah, that sounds um, right. That sounds right. So Tech has a athletic quarterback in Jamar Smith. He's got 17 touchdowns, four picks this season, 2,800 yards, 65% completion percentage. can also move. He's got 230 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. You know, Justin Henderson, that's the team's leading rusher. He's close to 1,000 yards. He's got 15 touchdowns. And they've got three receivers with over 500 yards receiving. And, you know, the one guy to keep an eye on in that receiving core is Griffin Herbert. He only has 28 catches, but 511 yards. So that's almost 19 yards per catch. Sophomore, big play receiver, uh, a guy that could cause some damage against Miami. You know, Miami, Tim, believe it or not, they haven't won a bowl since 2016. And Mm. um, I think that changes here. You know, as bad as Miami's been, I think they're able to kind of just end the season on a positive note. You know, the strength of Miami is really stopping the run, pressuring the quarterback. I think they'll be able to do that here against an overmatched Louisiana Tech. Talent hasn't been Miami's issue. It's been execution and consistent play. And, 
you know, guys dancing on the sideline when they're losing, you know, by two touchdowns, you know, things like that. Uh, so whether or not they come out focused or not, I think will play in a, a part in into who wins this game. If if they're looking unfocused and undisciplined, then Louisiana Tech will win. But uh, I have a feeling that Manny Diaz is 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 not going to run some pretty fun practices over the next few days. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Who do you got? It's tough for me to pick this one, right? If we're going based off a of talent, then it's clear uh, just about in every game this year, Miami has out-talented their opponent. And it's going to be no different against Louisiana Tech. But, you know, I realize don't throw stones in glass houses, but you almost think the uh, the transfer portal would be sponsoring this Independence Bowl with as many people that have left the Miami program and is decommitted uh, from the Miami program. So, you know, something stinks in Coral Gables, and it's not necessarily the copious amount of chemicals holding down Manny Diaz's hair. I don't know what's going on, but it certainly seems like there's just something not clicking for Miami this year. And it may take a reboot of an offseason to get this right, if it's even salvageable. Um, you know, they appear to be seven-point favorites at the moment. On the surface, that sounds about right if Miami comes out and plays football, limits the mistakes, and, and limits, you know, anything stupid that they may do. My heart says that that's this, the, the pick that I want to make, but my brain says Miami's going to find a way to mess this one up. Um, I think I'm going to take Louisiana Tech in a really, really close game, but um, there's just something about Manny Diaz in Miami this year that just has not been firing on all cylinders, and I don't know that the big layoff in between games is going to help that. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. Day after Christmas, Shreveport, you know, beautiful time of year there down in Shreveport. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I'm not sure how exciting the game it's going to be. I will say it's probably going to be more exciting than the Quick Lane Bowl. Tim, we've right. got Pitt at Eastern Michigan, or I say at Eastern Michigan. It's Pitt Eastern Michigan. It's 8 p.m. Detroit Michigan. Pitt is an 11 point favorite right now. You know the Eagles. They're six and six. Uh, they finished last in the West Division of the MAC, and so the MAC has 12 teams. Ten were bowl eligible, and the only team this season in all of college football that was bowl eligible and didn't get a bowl was Toledo, which is in the MAC. Eastern Michigan lost to Toledo, so I'm not sure how they won that tiebreak. Um, but either way, uh, they're averaging 402 yards per game, 280 through the air. You know, defensively not very good. They give up 428 yards per game, 225 through the air, 200 on the ground. You know, lucky for them, they're playing a pit offense that really struggled to score points down the stretch and really all season. Uh, it's not great at running the football. Kenny Pickett, you know, if this offense is is running the way that Mark Whipple likes it to run, he'll throw the ball 45, 50 times. Uh, but again, Pitt just struggles to get into the end zone, and they've struggled against every opponent they've played essentially you know if you remember the game against Delaware for example I think they only scored 16 points one by four you know something like that it was an ugly game that being said you know I don't know if this game is is uh is something that is possible for Pitt to lose just because their defense is so good you know I just don't think the Eagles match up well I think that Pitt D will really kind of shine. I wouldn't be surprised to see them have 10 sacks. I'll go ahead and I'm going to take the 11 points to the bank with Pitt. I think they do enough offensively. I think that defense is just way too dominant for Eastern Michigan, a team that 
you know, was six and six in a, a good Mac, but not a great football team, I don't think. No, not a great football team, although they do have experience this year beating a Power 5 opponent in a road win against Illinois, um, you know, which is a big win for them. Eastern Michigan most known for having the gray turf field, which makes me think my television is broken every time I tune into a game. Um, so for them, I really appreciate that many heart attack they gave me every time. Um, and, you know, surprising to me, Narduzzi has yet to win a bowl game uh, in the four attempts for a pit that he's been in. I'm, I'm kind of tracking with you on this one. I think the Dews does get his first win here, uh, and, and they should handle an Eastern Michigan team that's going to be overmatched uh, by that pit defense uh, that, make no mistake, is one of the best in the ACC, and, and I expect Pitt to handle business uh, quite handily in the Quick Lane Bowl. Military Bowl in Annapolis, Maryland. We've got UNC at Temple, and this game is on Friday, December 27th. So I think this is going to be a good one. You know, UNC, they're a five-and-a-half-point favorite right now. It's the first bowl game since 2016 for UNC, and their 34th bowl overall in school history. You know, they had 11 guys on all ACC teams. You know, Sam Howell won ACC Rookie of the Year. Uh, it's the first ever matchup against Temple. Temple this year, 8-4, and four, uh, plays in the AAC, American Athletic Conference, uh, which was a very good conference this year from, from top to bottom. Um, they're a good football team. You know, they've had wins this year. You know, Maryland, Georgia Tech, neither of those teams is great, but they won nonetheless. They do have a win over Memphis, who won the AAC, a win against Tulane, and Tulane isn't the Tulane of old. They were actually really good this year. Um, but they have been up and down at times. You know, they got absolutely annihilated by UCF 63-21. Uh, they lost 45-21 to SMU. Uh, SMU, by the way, got hosed as far <laughs> as bowls go. I think they're in the Boca Raton Bowl on December 21st. And, I mean, if you're an SMU fan, you got to be pretty dejected after a, probably the best season since the death penalty was uh, was instituted on your program. But... Uh, Anthony Russo, he's the leader of the offense for for the Owls. Solid quarterback, has around 2,700 yards, 21 touchdowns, 11 picks this year. He's not super accurate. He's not somebody who's going to get outside of the pocket. You know, they've got Reman Davis there in the backfield, kind of a bell cow back. He's averaging 5.1 yards per carry, about 900 yards, five touchdowns. They also got the AAC Defensive Player of the Year in Quincy Roche, junior defensive end. He's got 44 tackles and 13 sacks this season. So Yeah, big season. Yeah, exactly. So his ability to get after the quarterback, after Sam Howe, will be key. You know, there there is uh, ability to expose this offensive line, so that's definitely going to be something that they need to watch. Um, And Temple has given up 364 yards per game, 212 through the air. So uh, not... Not bad, um, and they, they really haven't played a quarterback this year to Howell's caliber. Um, I do think Temple will be able to score some points. I have a feeling this game might be kind of high scoring, but I do think North Carolina comes out on top. I just I like what Sam Howell can do. I like their receivers, Daz Newsome, Dynamite Brown, uh, Michael Williams, Javante Williams in that backfield. I just think UNC has too many playmakers on offense, and uh, – yeah, I do think Temple scores some points, but I, I think North Carolina inches this game out. Yeah, you know, I like I like the way you're thinking. Um, you know, if you're a UNC fan, the official uh, UNC football Twitter uh, posted, you know, certainly we are excited to participate in the Military Bowl. We are looking forward to spending time in our nation's capital to see all it has to offer. 
So if you're a UNC fan, you're certainly hoping your football team is better than your Twitter team is at Geography, uh, being at this game is actually being played in Annapolis, which is not part of the nation's capital, which many Hokies listening to this know. Um, you know, UNC just has so much going for it in offense. I think Longo's done a really good job this year. In their of- defense, isn't the Capitol building on the Military Bowl logo? Maybe. I don't I see the logo is. in my head right now. But either way, Annapolis, certainly not uh, It's not D.C., but there, no. there is a D.C. element to that bowl for sure. Well, yeah, you know, ifs and nuts, Justin, ifs and nuts. Um, <laughs> so, you know, what, what I'm going to say here, though, is that Phil Longo's done a really good job this year of getting dynamic playmaking on that edge from Deami Brown. Daz Newsom, especially, you know, he's a guy that I really wish had found his way to Virginia Tech. Uh, as we were so close to realizing, he's been so, so good for UNC. And, and Sam Howell is the real freaking deal. I mean, the, the guy's an absolute gunslinger. Got a heck of an arm. Accurate deep ball. You know, if you're a UNC fan, you are just pleased as punch that you got that guy throwing the ball right now. Um, much better freshman season than I think any of us ever anticipated him having. And I think we had some decently high hopes uh, for him coming into the season. Uh, you know, Mac Brown, UNC lost a lot of close games this year. Six and six is kind of a tough break for them. I think they played more like an eight-win football team. Um, but those are the breaks sometimes in the mighty, mighty ACC. Uh, you know, I, th- I think they'll provide a, a little too much for Temple to deal with here. And a lot on the line for Temple, uh, you know, Rod Carey, the, uh, the head coach of the Temple Owls, was mentioning that this would be the first uh, senior class in Temple football history uh, to win two bowl games if they're able to pull this off. Uh, so they have a lot to play for. Momentum's on their side. They won three of their last four. So, um, you know, all that being said, still think UNC is going to take this one just because of their offensive prowess. I think Sam Howell's going to get it done. But as you said, uh, I think this could shape up to be one of the more exciting bowl games. So UNC in a close one. Uh, then we got the pinstripe bowl. This game is uh, Michigan State versus Wake Forest. And, you know, the money right now, it is on Michigan State, which to me would indicate it's a time to buy you know wake forest they did (laughs) end the season on uh you know they lost three or four uh close to the year you know virginia tech clemson syracuse but they were battling some injuries down the stretch they they lost sage surratt in that virginia tech game to a shoulder injury who's out for the year uh scotty washington didn't play down the stretch either in all of those games that i mentioned so unsure if washington will be able to play in this one um, but would be a big f- boost if he's able to go. You know, Jamie Newman is a guy who left hurt in that Syracuse game, battled a shoulder injury uh, over the last few weeks of the season. But, you know, if he can go, he's a star. And, uh, you know, to me, a little bit underappreciated, you know, maybe even in the ACC, certainly nationally. Um, he's a guy who he's got just under 2,700 yards this year. Uh, passing 23 touchdowns, 10 picks, can also get it done on the ground. You know, Kate Carney currently leads the team in rushing by a yard. Uh, he's got 53 more carries than Kenneth Walker, but only one more yard. So Walker is a guy, he's kind of taken over the, the backfield duties, averaging 6.2 yards per carry. And uh, he's a guy who can definitely make some plays out of the backfield. And, you know, Wake's offense, they're just a group that has multiple weapons. Uh, they can beat you. It's high-powered. You know, one that can uh, that can score on you quick. So if they're down, they're definitely not out. You know, defensively, the team isn't great. And so lucky for them, the Spartans don't have a fantastic offense. So no. Brian Lewerke, you know, he's a guy, He's I think this is his third year as a starter. 
you know, 16 touchdowns, 12 picks this year. He can get out of the pocket if needed. Um, you know, their freshman running back, Elijah Collins, he's had a, a pretty solid season, 800 yards, 4.4 yards per carry. Uh, and they're decent at getting after the quarterback. The defense has 36 sacks on the year, 11 interceptions, 13 forced fumbles. Um, so, you know, I think this game might level out somewhat, but Michigan State just hasn't been good this year. You know, for the most part, they finished the season six and six. They're four and five overall. If you watch Michigan State play, they just don't pass the eye test. They just don't look like a great football team. You know, if you've watched Wake Forest this year, which if you're an ACC fan or, you know, a fan of an ACC team, you've probably caught a Wake Forest game or two. You know, offensively, they, they're somewhat of a juggernaut, you know, depending yeah. on the level of defense. And, yeah. You know, Michigan State is not on the level of defense that a Virginia Tech or a Clemson was down the stretch. So I think Wake Forest is by far the better team. I'll be stunned if they lose this game. And I think the only reason Michigan State is favored right now is because they're in the Big Ten and there's this bias that the ACC is, you know, awful. Yeah, and, you know, the ACC, not really great this year not great uh, but, I, but you know i, I don't think teams. bad enough to favor michigan state over wake forest I, I think that's that's pretty silly um you know if you're considering you know what wake forest does well well their offense does really well jamie newman does a great job passing the ball um and there are no slouches running the ball either uh, what does michigan state do well they defend the run well but they do not defend the pass well and i expect wake forest to take full advantage of that you know Lewerke's one of those guys that feels like he's been in college for seven years um, you know, but he really hasn't. He's a gamer, not the most talented quarterback, plays extremely hard. Uh, the Spartans just have not been a great team this year to watch, uh, you know, a pretty stagnant football, certainly not dynamic. Um, and, and although Mike D'Antonio is a great coach, um, you know, this year just for whatever reason hasn't worked out for him. And, uh, you know, I don't expect it to in this game. Uh, I don't think offensively they have enough, and I don't think defensively uh, through the air they're going to be able to slow down Jamie Newman enough um, uh, to limit Wake Forest. So I expect Wake Forest to win this game. I don't think it's going to be close, maybe a two-touchdown game. Um, But, you know, anytime Vegas uh, has the line where they have and it's going the opposite of the way you think it uh, will, it makes you pause for a second and, and maybe feel like you're a little crazy. But I feel pretty firm in this one saying the Demon Deacons are going to be just fine. Uh, so, Tim, do you want to talk about the Orange Bowl? Or not the Orange Bowl, the uh, the college football playoff in this one? Um, the Fiesta Bowl? Or do, do we want to save that? You know, we should save it. Yeah, that's kind of what we I was should thinking. Save it. So we'll, yeah. we'll have that one on the 23rd. Um and I didn't preview it specifically for that reason. So, you know, that's that's good. Sure. Um, I, can, I can tell you another joke if you would like me to fill that space. No, it's okay. It's right. okay. I I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Offers but, I, you know, let's let's keep working on those jokes, though, for sure. <laughs> uh, let's see, Tim. So we've got the Music City Bowl. Okay. So this one is Mississippi State against Louisville. You know, this opponent changed a few times. And um, if you were trying to figure out who Virginia Tech's opponent was going to be in the Belk Bowl, you know, essentially Tennessee uh, was able to choose kind of where they wanted to go. And at the end of the day, chose to go to the Gator Bowl. Um, but they had already been assigned to this one, the Music City Bowl, and so it caused quite a uh, mass confusion because it was first reported Mississippi State would be playing Virginia Tech in the Belk Bowl. 
Then it was, you know, is it Kentucky? Then it was like, no, Tennessee's going to be there. And then Tennessee said, no, we don't want to play Virginia Tech. We're terrified. Give us the Gator Bowl. And that's kind of how the day went down. So uh, where we landed, Tim, Music City Bowl, once again, Mississippi State, Louisville. Bulldogs, for some reason, are a three-point favorite. I mean, you know, I'm not going to say that's a terrible call, but, you know, maybe it is. These two teams, they last met in a bowl in 2017. Mississippi State got the win. That was the last time Louisville was in a bowl, and uh, their last bowl win uh, came in 2015. So it's been a while for the Cardinals. Um, we didn't expect to see them here, you know, but no. here they are. And uh, they got a high-powered offense, a not-so-good defense. Mikael Cunningham, he's had a really nice season. He's got almost 2,000 yards passing, 20 touchdowns, 5 picks. Also has 401 yards on the ground and 6 touchdowns. Javion Hawkins, outside of Sam Howell, would have been ACC Rookie of the Year, hands down. Easily. Uh, you know, had 1,400-plus yards rushing, 8 touchdowns. 2-2 Atwell, big play threat, 61 catches, 100, or 1,129 yards and 12 touchdowns. So offense isn't the issue for Louisville. You know, Mississippi State interesting offense they don't do much through the air you know their leading receiver has 390 yards uh they have three receivers with over 300 yards receiving um you know they lost four in a row at one point in the season against a&m lsu tennessee auburn it's obviously not a super easy stretch uh they won three of their last four uh, against arkansas abilene christian and ole miss obviously uh if you uh caught the end of the egg bowl we saw the dog peeing incident you know had it not (laughs) been for that <laughs> uh mississippi state would not even be in a bowl because they right. finished six and six so right. um you know this team lives and dies with kylan hill you know he's a junior running back 1347 yards 10 touchdowns on the year averaging 5.7 yards per carry they have kind of a two quarterback system in garrett schrader and tommy stevens they're both effective at running the ball and you know despite being six and six you know, they've got the nation's 18th best rushing offense. And so they're averaging 227 yards per game. Uh, you know, obviously Hill is leading the way there. You know, both teams have their pros and cons. I don't really love either team in the matchup, but I do think there will be quite a few points scored in this one. Um, I think I'm actually going to lean Mississippi State uh, just because I don't love Louisville's defense and uh, teams that have been able to run the ball effectively against them have typically typically won this season so i'm going to go with the bulldogs yeah i know what you mean that's what gave me pause when i was looking at this you know looking back rewinding back to kentucky and what lynn bounden jr did to the cards um you know they allowed 500 plus yards on the ground to kentucky so that's not something uh that instills a lot of confidence in louisville's ability to defend the run um you know satterfield though there's something about him you know he's got a mystique about him right now uh, 2018 Sunbelt Coach of the Year, 2019 ACC Coach of the Year. Uh, he's so good. He got Eliah Drinkwitz a job at Missouri, making $4 million a year. Uh, Scott Satterfield just stays winning. Um, and, and I expect him to have Louisville ready and prepared. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to get beaten in the same way that they were beaten by Kentucky and that they were gashed on the ground in a way that, you know, you just read about in storybooks. It almost didn't feel like real life uh, when you talk about 500 yards. Um, but I, I expect them to put up a fight. I'm actually slightly leaning cards in this. Uh, Hawkins and Atwell, I think, are just so dynamic, so fast. That speed, along with the scheming done by Ledford, Satterfield, uh, they just know how to get it done. 
Um, and I expect the, them to eke this one out. I don't think Mississippi State's a bad team. Um, but, you know, 6-6, six and six, uh, ACC versus SEC, you know, we could use this one. Uh, so my gut's telling me I should go with the Cardinals here uh, after doubting them so many times this year. So uh, this is me making up for all the times I didn't pick them. Uh, Cardinals by a little bit. Let's call it three points. All right, there you go. Uh, prime time, same day. Again, we're talking Monday, December 30th. We've got the Orange Bowl. So first time ever Virginia is in the Orange Bowl. They are playing number nine, Florida. You know, Florida, they're a 13.5-point favorite in this one, and I'd go ahead and take all those points and run straight to the bank. UVA did uh, they did okay for me offensively in the ACC championship game for about three quarters. Um, you know, Bryce Perkins, he's a gamer. You know, they got playmakers in size Du Bois. Terrell Jean has really come on. Joe Reed, um, you know, Du Bois is 21 yards away from a 1,000-yard season. Uh, you know, Reed is a, a guy who he's more of a possession receiver if you look at his yards per catch. Um, doesn't come off that way, but that's kind of what he is on paper. Uh, he's also a big special teams option, a guy who uh, can help out in the kick return game. Once again, though, you know, if if Bryce Perkins is stopped or contained, then this offense has no chance of doing anything. And, you know, Perkins is the leading rusher. You know, he typically accounts for majority of the yards in any game that they play. He's got 3,200 yards passing this year, 18 touchdowns, 11 picks. You know, he uh, he's the one guy that you can't let beat you. Uh, just ask Virginia Tech. And, you know, the Gators, the only losses they've had this year were against LSU and Georgia. And so... Right. Virginia's coming in. They're one and eight in this stadium. Zero and three in bowl games in this stadium, and they lost to Miami earlier this year in that stadium. The three bowl losses were by a combined eighty-six points. Kyle Trask, he's played really well uh, after taking over for Felipe Franks, who broke his ankle earlier this season. Uh, he's got 2,600 yards passing, 24 touchdowns. You know, defensively, they're really solid. Uh, linebackers Jonathan Grenard, is, uh, he's pretty solid, man. He's got nine sacks, two forced fumbles, and an interception. Uh, they're good at getting to the quarterback. They've got 46 sacks total. And uh, the Florida offense, they're not super high-powered, but that UVA secondary is vulnerable, as we saw in the ACC championship game. You know, they're a gritty team. They should be able to take advantage of UVA's weaknesses. I think from a talent perspective, they've got way more of it than UVA does. And uh, they like to get to the quarterback. So I expect that they'll be able to contain Perkins. I think Perkins might have some su- success early on. Uh, but I do like Florida to to win this game by a couple of touchdowns, if not more. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You know, UVA obviously... Uh had a gilded year when you consider what they've accomplished finishing the year, uh, you know, with a, with a beat down at the hands of Clemson, but that's not unique to the university of Virginia. Uh, really any team would have suffered a similar fate with the way the ACC landscape looked this year. Uh, you know, but they got the cup, they got the Commonwealth cup. So they, they broke that rock and, and got what they wanted to get. So really anything from, from here on out is gravy. So you're going to have a team playing pretty loose in this game, nothing to lose. And that always bodes well for any team that's able to go into a game uninhibited. Uh, you know, you talk about strengths, weaknesses, Perkins has shown a, a tendency to throw some picks this year, 11 picks, but you've got a Florida defense with 15 picks on the season, seven different players contributing um, you know, that's going to be a tough matchup already defensively. And, and, you know, if you're Florida, you know exactly who to key on. 
so in theory, that should simplify things. Although obviously, you know, Perkins has done extremely well this year, producing through the air and on the ground. Uh, you know, uh, racking up to 29 total touchdowns. Um, you know, but like you said, Kyle Trask, man, really turned it up the last few games of the season. Um, you know, sitting at almost a thousand yards, eight touchdowns. Um, Florida's looked pretty good closing out the season. Uh, momentum's on the side of the Gators. Uh, you know, it, the talent is on the side of the Gators. Virginia dealing with some injuries that's going to lead uh, to issues as as they play Dan Mullen's team. Uh, and I expect the Gators to be doing the Gator chomp for the rest of the night. I, I, I don't think it's going to be close, maybe a 10-point game. Um, you know. But UVA, hats off to a great season for them. Again, I, I don't think these last two games are going to be indicative of the kind of season that they had. Unfortunately, uh, you know, they are here, and they got good breaks that have led them to some pretty lopsided games to close out the season. We've got the Belk Bowl. New Year's Eve, noon Eastern on ESPN. Uh, obviously, this game is at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. Got the Virginia Tech Hokies taking on the Kentucky Wildcats. Hokies are a three-and-a-half-point favorite from what I can tell. Um, having a hard time finding accurate lines on this game, but I think that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, obviously, a lot of coaching changes for the Hokies, and uh, you know most will not be coaching in the bowl. So, you know we'll have to wait and see what that looks like and what that means. Uh, this will be the last game for for Bud Foster as defensive coordinator. You know the one positive for him is you know he doesn't have to worry about recruiting. He can be in their game planning, which I think will uh, pay dividends for the Hokies with uh, you know shorthand staff. You know no Charlie Wiles, no um, Brian Mitchell. Um, you know, Justin Hamilton, he might be a little bit more involved in the, in the game planning. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, they're going up against a unique team at Kentucky and, you know, the Wildcats are, they're bad offensively and really good defensively. And we just saw them shut down Louisville. Lynn Bowden Jr. You know, he's a wide receiver and he's playing quarterback and I won't even really call him a QB. He's just playing that position out of necessity. Uh, and I'm not taking anything away from them. That's just kind of what's happening. And they've been good with him since he's taken over. They're 5-2. and two. Um, He did announce that he was going to enter the, the NFL draft after the bowl game. And, you know, there was talk that he may not actually play in this one. But it sounds like he's going to. Uh, Kentucky's averaging 274 yards on the ground. Only 117 through the air. Okay, with Bowden... Mm. You know, he's he's five and two as a starter, like I mentioned. He's only got three hundred and thirty yards passing. Okay, two touchdowns, two picks. He's got twelve hundred and thirty five yards rushing and eleven touchdowns. He's averaging eight point two yards per carry. We all know what he did against Louisville. Um, you know, otherwise, outside of, of Bowden in the run game, they've got a seam rose, a uh, guy named Smoke and Chris Rodriguez. They all got over five hundred yards rushing. Uh, Rodriguez is averaging 7.9 yards per carry and Smoke 6.3. So they've got some playmakers in that run game. Uh, The four of them that I've mentioned, 28 touchdowns combined on the ground. Now, obviously the numbers are inflated because they're a run-heavy team. That's basically all they do. So one of the strengths of Virginia Tech is the cornerback play. There's not going to be a whole lot of a whole lot to defend on that aspect. So it is going to be an interesting defensive uh, game for the Hokies. We'll see what kind of scheme they draw up uh, to try to stop this. You know, we all know about 
you know, Bud Foster's kind of Achilles heel is stopping mobile quarterbacks. Uh, but this one's a little bit different than, than Bryce Perkins. It's a little bit different than the triple option because it's literally just a guy in the backfield who's literally running the Wildcat, no pun intended, um, basically every single play. Um, so it should be a little bit easier to zero in, one might think. Bowden is obviously extremely athletic. Uh, you know, the wins that Kentucky has really haven't been that impressive. Um, you know, their best win was Louisville. And, you know, they they have other wins against Vanderbilt, Tennessee Martin, Mizzou, Arkansas, Eastern Michigan, Toledo. So, you know, that's two wins against the MAC, uh, Tennessee Martin's an FCS school, Vanderbilt, Mizzou, Arkansas all had pretty, you know, mediocre to terrible seasons. So uh, they're okay at getting to the quarterback defensively. They got 32 sacks this year, um, you know, eight interceptions, 10 fumble recoveries. Uh, they're only allowing 321 yards per game, so 172 through the year, 148 on the ground. So um, it is one of the top defenses in the country as far as defense's efficiency is concerned. Um, and they'll obviously try to try to get to Hendon Hooker, and I think they'll probably use a lot of that UVA game tape. Um, and Hendon's a guy, he's got almost 1,500 yards passing this year, 11 touchdowns, 2 picks. We all know about him. Um, this will be one of the better defenses that he faces this year. Um, so we'll see what they can do in the run game to try to ease that. We'll see if they can get the misdirection working, which uh, UVA took away, and we saw that that caused them to struggle a little bit. Um, but on the offensive side of the ball, it seems like the the staff is mostly intact. Uh, a change at running back coach, obviously, but um, so far no other changes have been made. And like I said, we're we're recording this on Tuesday, December 9th. So uh, if a change has been made between now and Monday, when you're listening to this, uh, we we apologize. We'll update that as soon as possible in next week's episode. But um, I do like the matchup for Virginia Tech, Tim, even you know, considering all the coaching changes. Um, I just think Virginia Tech top to bottom is much more talented than than Kentucky. Um, if they can pick up where they left off defensively before the UVA game, um, I think uh, I think they'll win this one. I think it might be close. There there might be a little bit more offense than we expect uh, just because that, that run game is so strong for Kentucky. But uh, I'll go ahead and I'll take uh, Virginia Tech in the Belk Bowl. I don't expect them to get down 24 nothing at halftime and then to have a miraculous comeback in, <laughs> in the second half, but um, I do I do think they get the win in Charlotte. And by the way, that Belk Bowl trophy, pretty awesome. It's great, isn't it? It really is. It reminds me of the old national championship trophy with the glass, the diamond ball. Yeah, it's classy. You know, it, it's classy in the Belk Bowl Twitter account as well. Definitely worth a follow. Probably, actually not probably, definitely the best bowl-related Twitter account there is. They do an amazing job uh, with all of their social media all year, really, but especially in the lead-up to the bowl game. And, uh, you know, definitely plucked at my heartstrings by using Baby Yoda from the Star Wars series The Mandalorian on Disney+, Plus uh, as a way to reveal the game. Uh, the UK logo was one eyeball and the Virginia Tech logo the other eyeball, so... Well done. Definitely the best bowl reveal of the season. Um, you know, getting to the bulk or the, the belt bowl specifically, not the bulk bowl, although the bulk bowl is probably pretty good too. Um, you know, Achilles heel with Bud Foster, I'm not too worried about in this case. Typically, Bud runs into issues with one, the triple option, which is a different schemed offense, as you mentioned, but two, runs into issues with quarterbacks that are equal threats through the air and on the ground. Uh, Perkins, for example. Uh, 
uh, you know, those are typically the quarterbacks that have given Bud trouble. As you mentioned, Lynn Bowden, wide receiver, uh, basically running the Wildcat, uh, obviously just with more repetition than you're used to seeing the Wildcat run. Um, and even though, make no mistake, uh, teams have known what Kentucky is going to do, uh, you know, for the latter half of the season and, and haven't been able to stop them. Uh, rewind this podcast past a little bit and you'll hear me say that they got 517 yards on the ground on Louisville. Uh, that's no small amount. So just because we know what's coming uh, with Lynn Bowden doesn't mean that we'll be able to stop it. Uh, now, what has me a little concerned is the size up front for Virginia Tech. Um, you know, the defensive line slightly undersized uh, in that Kentucky front, uh, you know, has been having their way with with many teams this year. Um, so big game from the defensive line is going to be necessary. Linebackers and run coverage and, and run uh, stopping obviously will be key to, to play their gaps um, and, and make sure they are where they're supposed to be. And safeties are going to play a big role uh, in, in Virginia Tech's ability to stop this rushing attack. You stop the rushing attack, you win the game. I know that's a John Maddenism, but I'm going to throw it out there. Um, I have confidence that Virginia Tech, especially Bud, given the amount of time to prepare for this bowl game, given that it is a one-dimensional team, should be able to craft a pretty good scheme and um, you know, may come out in a different front to throw Kentucky off as he has in the past. Uh, and you know, I, just, I want Bud to go out a winner so bad. Uh, the UVA game left such a bad taste in my mouth. Um, you know, I, I'm not so sure that I could handle another, another loss to close out Bud's career. So Lord knows the team, Bud himself and everyone will be fighting and all rowing in the same direction to make sure that we're able to achieve that goal offensively. Uh, as you mentioned, I, I hope we continue to see some improvement there as we have throughout the, the season, uh, and, and come out with an aggressive game plan and, and not one that seems like we're timid or afraid to take the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, you know, if we're able to focus on the run, stop it. I'm confident we will. Uh, I think we'll win this game. So, you know, Virginia Tech by a, by a touchdown, not a lot, uh, but I think they'll do just enough to come out winners in Charlotte and take take that classy uh, trophy home and, and hopefully uh, be congratulated with a couple of great tweets from that social media team. I also believe this is the last year for the Belk Bowl. I think the uh, they're giving up naming rights to this, so... Uh, this is the last time that we will actually have the Belk Bowl. So I don't know if the uh, if the Twitter account guy will will follow. Um, yeah, it's sad to to the new one, but I don't know how that works. I don't know if that's a Belk employee or, or what. I assume I assume so. Virginia Tech could maybe use some help in the social media game. I know, uh, and I, I'm not going to say I'm an expert on our our tweets uh, or how good they are, but I know that uh, the Belk Bowl guy is one of the best in the biz, guy or gal. Uh, so Virginia Tech, uh, if you're listening, maybe uh, look into hiring that fella uh, to go ahead and, and, and run that Twitter. He's pretty effective. Um, and we could always use more memes in our life uh, in general, I think. Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. They're yes. great. <laughs> Good lead in, man. Did you like that? I did. Uh, and I also, I, mean, I also just want to shout out Frosted Flakes, man. They're really good. Is that the, their greatest the tagline for Tony the Tiger, right? Frosted Tony the Tiger's yeah. Frosted Flakes, right? I absolutely am ninety nine percent sure. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. It I has been a while. Honestly, like I didn't even know Tony the Tiger still existed, and really? then I saw that I, I just I didn't even know they made the cereal anymore. I don't typically like I go and I grab the Honey Nut Cheerios and I get out of the cereal aisle. You know, if what? I'm buying cereal, I, I don't hold on. I don't what? frequent cereal. 
you're going to criticize the quality joke that I lead the podcast in with, but you're going to tell me you don't at least browse around the cereal aisle to check out what's going on? They're putting marshmallows, Lucky Charms marshmallows, and Fruit Loops, man. Like, times have changed. Uh, the cereal aisle's weird. wild. To be honest, like, I don't like how the Lucky Charms marshmallows taste. Excuse me. <laughs> Honestly, like, they kind of, it reminds me of getting your teeth cleaned with that jelly. It, that's just, like, the consistency it has. <laughs> you your dentist it. is brushing your teeth with preserves? What no, kind of dentist are you going to? It's more of, like, when you were a kid and, like, they'd put this, like, jelly gum stuff as, like, cleaner. And Yeah, I don't know. Huh. I don't know. It's just, it's always reminded me of that. Um, yeah. So maybe it's it maybe it's the dentist that scarred me. And I mean, hey, if you give me a bowl of Lucky Lucky Charms, I'll, I'll eat it. You know yeah. what cereal? Oh, you know what I kitty so. cereal that I used to love? And I don't. Do they still make tricks? Yeah, I would. I think so. I mean, I, I don't I think they had a do. bowl since I was six, but I don't. I don't think they do. Um, well, we're adults now, anyway, Justin. That we're, I know, we're past but that. those are for that's kids. That's the one. That's the one. The tricks yeah. are for kids. I see what you did there. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> that's quality, that's right. the one. Good content that I that I like the best. So now that we've gotten completely <laughs> derailed here, uh, so the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, which when Virginia Tech was in the Sun Bowl a few years ago against UCLA, which turned into a disastrous game. <laughs> I don't remember what the bowl was called then or who the sponsor was, but it was not Tony the Tiger. I believe um, it was Hyundai. I want to say yes. Yes, you're right. It was Hyundai. Uh, so this game is New Year's Eve as well, 2 p.m. Eastern. So a little bit of overlap with the uh, with the Belk Bowl, but this is Florida State, Arizona State. So um, interesting mm-hmm. matchup here. It's a uh, five and a half point line underdog for Florida State. You know, one guy for Arizona State that I just personally love to watch is Eno Benjamin. You know, this guy has got this guy's got some wiggle and. You know, I don't know if you, you know, happen to stay up late and catch a, a few Pac-12 games here and there, um, but I've watched a few Sun Devil games or at least parts of them, and I always think to myself that, you know, Benjamin's a guy who I could see at the next level. You know, his numbers this year they're not super impressive. You know, he did rush for 1,600 yards last year. Uh, he's down to just over a thousand this year. Ten touchdowns. Uh, can also catch the ball out of backfield. Has 42 uh, 42 catches for over 300 yards receiving. And, uh, you know, quarterback-wise, you know, Jaden Daniels, pretty good freshman quarterback for the Sun Devils, 17 touchdowns, yeah. two picks, 2,700 yards, 62% completion percentage. You know, Arizona State is an interesting program to me because I feel like they are a sleeping giant in college football, but they just cannot put it together year in, year out. And, I mean, it's the largest undergrad university in the country, They've just made a ton of renovations to all of the facilities. Uh, they've got money. Uh, they're in Tempe. I don't know if you've been to Tempe, Tim, but great little town. No, uh, it's warm there all the time. Uh, Arizona State's me. reputation, party school. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I don't understand why they're not consistently better at football, especially when the Pac-12 is is for there for the taking. Basically. It has been now for the better part of a decade. So um, what I'm saying here is, you know, we saw them beat Oregon a couple of weeks ago, 
And had they not done that, Oregon might have fi- found themselves in the college football playoff, you know, assuming they still beat Utah in the Pac-12 championship. But FSU, you know, again, sleeping giant as well. Can't seem to get it together, but uh, programs have two very different histories. Um, you know, they're going to have to try to figure out how to how to run the ball against this team. And Arizona State's only given up 116 on the ground. Uh, they're definitely most vulnerable through the air. Uh, you know, James Blackman's had an up-and-down season, you know, since uh, Odell Hagens has taken over in the interim. You know, he's been the guy with a little bit of Jordan Travis mixed in. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jordan Travis mixed in a little bit more in this one. Um, obviously, with Mike Norvell coming in, I think everything that they're doing offensively is going to change next year anyway. So, um, you know, we'll kind of see what happens. I don't know, you know, who's the best fit for that. But, um, you know, Cam Akers... You know, we'll see if he comes back next year, but um, I just, I don't love Florida State in this game. I think ASU pulls this out. Um, I like Herm Edwards uh, to get this bowl win, get win number eight on the season, and uh, send Florida State home with a sub-500 record, even though I'd love to see uh, Odell get that get that win in a bowl game um, and only have one loss on his coaching record um, in the interim over a couple of different years and he is coming back under the Norvell staff but uh I don't know Tim I'm just I'm not feeling Florida State in this one yeah I mean it's tough right so with Arizona State love Herm Edwards uh love what the freshman quarterback's been able to accomplish touchdown to interception ratio looking great um but they've been a weird team right so they knocked off Oregon uh late in the season which basically ended Oregon's hopes for the playoffs um, you know, but it, they, they barely scraped by Michigan State, which has not been good this year. Uh, so, so which Arizona State team are you going to get? Uh, look on the other side of the field. You're dealing with a Florida State team that may be buoyed by the momentum of a new coach signing on, even though he won't be coaching in this game. Um, obviously, of Odell Haggins uh, coming in, coaching again. Uh, great interim head coaching record. Uh, you know, a Florida State institution. I don't know if you know this or not, but he is going to be uh, a coach on Norvell's staff, which at this point you just assume he comes with the stadium now. Um, you know, but one of the one of the better coaches, at least position coaches in the nation, and a guy I think that'll get the Seminoles ready, fired up to go out there and and, and play like Seminoles in the bowl game. I really think this is going to be a close game. Uh, I am a little concerned about Florida State and their ability uh, to not get or or give up a, a chunk of yards through the air. Um, but I, I do think that they'll be able to make some noise on offense and, and dig in deep enough and get enough pride to go ahead and uh, put out a good performance. So, um, you know, maybe I'm crazy, but I'm picking Florida State in this one, not by much, three points, something like that. Um, but, yeah, I think Florida State's going to get the win, and, um, you know, maybe having that Taggart cloud uh, removed from over their heads has has brought a little needed sunshine into that locker room and, uh, maybe we'll see that pay dividends. At least that's what I'm banking on, and uh, I'm taking Florida State in this one. Last bowl to talk about, uh, excluding the college football playoff. We've got the Birmingham Bowl. So Boston College taking on Cincinnati. This game is 3 p.m. Eastern on January 2nd. So one of those odd uh, after New Year's Day bowls. Yeah, that's um, weird. I don't know that's about weird. you. I'll be back to work on January 2nd, which is hard to think about right now, but um, 
Yeah, Cincy, they're a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, I'm, I'm running straight to the bank. I'm taking the points in Cincinnati in this one. You know, we'll see if A.J. Dillon plays in this game. If I were him, I wouldn't. Um, you know, the guy has has had a phenomenal season. You know, I think he's got 1,685 yards rushing, 14 touchdowns. I mean, heavy workload, almost 350 carries this season. Uh, he's, he's probably going to be uh, a pretty high pick in the NFL draft, I'd say. No, no worse than a second round pick. Uh, Rich Gunnell, I, you know, Hokie fans remember that guy? Probably. Uh, he uh, is the interim coach right now for BC. Uh, lucky for BC, you know, Cincinnati does not have a high powered offense. They're only averaging 385 yards per game. You know, Michael Warren, uh, Hokies will remember that name from last year's bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the best thing about this offense. He's got over 1,100 yards rushing. Um, I do think Cincy uh, will do enough to slow down Boston College's run game because that's the only thing they really need to focus on. BC is entirely one-dimensional. We'll see if Gunnell has any tricks up his sleeve, but um, yeah, I think the Bearcats win this one easily, and uh, Boston College goes goes home six and seven in 2019. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of with you on that one. Um, You know, Boston College. I don't I don't know that they're going to have enough. Uh, you know, that team six and six this year, but looked a lot worse than a six and six teams at times and looked a lot better than a six and six teams at times. You know, they, they've had their uh, fair share of games where they've run over everybody and games where they haven't been able to get much going. So hard to really kind of predict what Boston College team you're going to get. Again, kind of that Jekyll and Hyde aspect that we've mentioned uh, about a few other teams recently on this podcast. Uh, but Cincinnati, you know, a 10 and three team, considering they were 10 and three with two of those losses coming to a really, really good Memphis team, uh, especially in close fashion in that last game uh, last Saturday, going down uh, by you know, 24 to 29 to Memphis and Norvell, uh, what was his swan song with Memphis going off to Florida State. I just think Cincinnati's a good team, man. And, and you know, they're a 10 and three team. Uh, again, two losses to a highly ranked team. Uh, a guy in Desmond Ritter at quarterback who's a gamer, you know, stats that aren't going to blow your mind, but, you know, a fairly good production rate from his interceptions to his touchdowns for a guy that's really can be a power runner at times in that offense. Um, and, you know, I, it's hard for me to say that, that Boston College really isn't, even has a shot in this game. Uh, clearly, they're going to need to impose their will on the ground if they want uh, if they want to pull this one out. Um but for me, Cincinnati is just going to be a little too much for them to handle. Six and a half point favorite. I like Cincinnati by multiple touchdowns in this case. And uh, yeah, Boston College with a losing season to close out uh, 2020 in this case, their 2019 season, but obviously strangely occurring, uh, as you mentioned, in the early days of January. Yeah, so that's it for our ACC Bowl preview. You know, as a reminder, uh, the Bulls get kicked off on Friday, December 20th, um, and then a number of games on the 21st, and they run through the new year. I think uh, the national championship is like January 15th or something this year. It's pretty late. Um, but yeah, I mean, once again, if you haven't already, head over to ESPN, join our Chowder and Grits Bowl Mania. We've got a couple of Chowder and Grits hats up for uh, up for the first and second place winners. Uh, so you got two shots to win. Uh, they're in high demand right now, so you better be sure and get on there. I've only got a limited stash left, but uh, you know if we get more demand, I can always get some more made. But uh, Tim, before we close this out, any any final words? Uh, yeah, no final words. Just enjoy bowl season. You know, it's one of those things where. 
time flies by for whatever reason, especially as you get a little older. And football season feels like it just started two weeks ago. Uh, So try to savor it. Enjoy the time with your family. I think that's what makes bowl season so special is that, you know, you're having these games with family around watching together, at least in my household you are. Um, so enjoy it, you know, try to soak it up for what it is and enjoy these games with matchups that we don't get to see that often. Uh, and yeah, root on the ACC, man. I'm all about conference pride when it comes to bowl season. I will not cast aspersions on you. Uh, if you root for teams, uh, you know, any team other than UVA is good in my book, but, uh, you know, the ACC could use a good performance, right? So, Look at it as that way. You know, we need to make a a big statement as a conference that we're not the pushover that people tend to think we are. Um, And it's okay uh, to root for your ACC brethren when it comes to this. And merch. You know, you mentioned hats. We should uh, start thinking about different kind of merch pieces that we could maybe look into as the new year approaches. We're going to need something to do in the offseason, right? So, um, yeah. Let's talk about merch at some time, Justin. Yeah, no, that sounds good. So, uh, once again, join the uh, join the ball mania. I'll shoot out the link. Uh, we'll be promoting that on Twitter, uh, and obviously keep uh, keep listening to the podcast. You know, hit that subscribe button. Tell your friends. Um, you know, follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Chowder and grits. You'll find us. Type it into Google. You'll probably see our smiling faces, our beautiful logo. Tim, why don't you tell these people what they can do for us? Leave some reviews. Look, we noticed that you guys are actually doing that. So I'm going to tell you again and again, it helps our visibility. It helps us get out to listeners that may be interested in, uh, in a great Hokie podcast that covers ACC sports as well. Um, you know, Go ahead, share our content, look at our Twitter, interact with us. You guys have been doing an awesome job on that. Uh, I think a couple of you will vouch for the fact that we will carry on a lengthy conversation with you if you would like to have it. Uh, in regards to our recent pods or anything you want to talk about and just tell your friends uh, you know referrals go a long way word of mouth is is honestly the best way that we can market ourselves uh, so keep doing what you do and to you guys that are just tuning in every week subscribed and listening uh, keep it up and we appreciate you uh, you know from the bottom of Justin and I's hearts it's been a, a really fun time building this podcast from the ground up and we wouldn't be here without you guys so thank you for listening and making this fun for us Um, With that, I'm going to leave you guys with a go Hokies, go ACC, and, and stop and smell the roses when it comes to bowl season. It only comes around once a year. See you guys later.